Hello, and welcome to Sutra Side Talk, episode 89. I'm your host, Kamran Shushtar, and with me is... James Seelig. Dude, we just once again, just like last week, finished a cut of seal episode, and it's like kind of the timing was in the middle of the day where, you know, we've already eaten lunch, and it's not, we're not starving for dinner yet, so we're like, oh, let's record this now and get it out of the way. So, you know, last week, guys, if you haven't listened yet, we have 88, which is a... Massive news episode. So massive that there was so much content, we ended up forgetting one key piece, which was all of the Destiny 2 news, because there, there's like a whole Road to the Witch Queen uh, news article, or like basically Bungie release on like the Destiny app or on the Bungie site, you yeah, get all this information. Like annual update or whatever. It's the annual player investor call. Basically. <laughs> and they had like a couple twabs as well, and... There's a lot of information to the point where we actually went over two hours with our 88th episode and imagining the Destiny News is probably like 30 minutes worth. I'm not even sure. Easily, It's pretty massive. So that's going to take the brunt of this episode now. And we're actually going to save that for the tail end of the news this week. And also, of course, you know, we were going to do our backlog special for episode 88. But with all the news, we've decided if you haven't listened to 88 or the backlog special yet that they're separate now so you know they're all still suture side talk specifically uh but the backlog specials will now no longer be numbered with like 88 1989 and so on instead it's just going to be suture side talk backlog special and then the roman numeral just to kind of keep things more separate there and the plan is it'll be the every last week of the month uh it'll come kind of as a companion episode with the numbered news one so you'll get your numbered news one on the last week of each month but then uh usually probably the wednesday of that point or something like that you'll get your backlog special where it's just going to be all of what we've been watching and playing until we finally run out and then that will be kind of pretty much like retired until we need it again but it's just a temporary thing until we catch up with all the quarantine amount of content we've been taking in over this pretty much entire year yeah uh with that said though of course this is sutra side talk our gaming movie tv show news podcast where we talk about select news of each of those areas and give our opinions on them and what we're thinking how it's going as well as what we've been watching and what we have been playing uh this week it's the first week of March. It's uh, We're recording today on March 6th, so we have honestly not as much news, thank God, as February, or like the last couple weeks of February, which was a lot here. It's a number of things, but there's so much smaller, easier to get through. I don't think they're as heavy necessarily. Uh, there's some still that have, you know, some, I guess, uh, heft to them, but we will be finishing off with the destiny 2 news and if we've got time we'll probably jump into actually just talking about how the season of the chosen has been for us and kind of all the new stuff going on in destiny and how it's been for us uh with that said though james are you ready to jump right into it oh yeah all right so starting off here we have some obi-wan kenobi casting news and of course we know ewan mcgregor is playing the man himself but we have a new character and that character is unknown because we don't know who that character is. But who was cast as that character is Indira Varma. You will know her as uh, Illyria Sand from Game of Thrones. She was Oberyn Martell's uh, 
paramour. Mm. So, like, his not wife and the one that kind of took revenge on the Lannisters for his death in, like, season five. So, you'll get her in this show. We just don't know what role she's playing. But you can imagine, of course, you know, this show takes place between episodes three and four. So, you know, he's on Tatooine. So, you'd imagine, is she a moisture farmer? Is she part of the Hut cartel? Is she some other, like, bounty hunter or something? Like, we don't really know who she is or what role she has. Who knows? Maybe they dress her up as a Tusken Raider. I have no idea what they're planning to do with her. But I am curious to see all these different outcomes. Because, you know, James, we never really get this kind of thought when it comes to a Star Wars character being created. Because normally, you know, it's galaxy-spanning. We're getting all these different planets and places. This is the first time where we know, oh, it's this one specific planet... And it so happens to be probably one of the most well-known planets, at least in terms of knowledge for the average Star Wars fan. So it's easier to kind of think about, oh, well, it could be a number of these different types of things because, you know, she isn't really, if it's Tatooine, there aren't rebels, there aren't Imperials. It's none of that. It's just who would be on Tatooine. Who who knows, James? For all we know, she could be a a pod racer. (laughs) Yeah, if they're still doing that, I guess. Yeah. Do, you know, they never really tell us. I, I'm very curious now. I'm not actually curious at all. I'm going to forget this in 20 minutes. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's all we got. We don't really know anything else. And either they'll do a bunch of hype and show us who each character is, or they'll honestly reveal who she is in the middle of the show and we'll be like, oh, that's her. And then that's what's going to happen. But yeah. Yeah. Maybe. But anything else before we continue? That that was really it. But yeah. I just thought it was fun to include there. All right. So this is normally, you'd say this is technically like PS5, PlayStation 4 news. But I would say it, it kind of regards more into the movie TV area because it's uh, the movie TV service on PlayStation Store. So you can buy movies and shows. You can rent movies and shows here. You could do it on your PS4, your PS5. And I don't know if you could still... I think you could still do it on your PS3. I'm not sure anymore. I haven't touched I it in forever. I mean, I know back then, back when I was using my PS3, I had the option to buy movies and stuff on the PSN. I think. Yeah, so it's going to actually... This service will be ending on August 31st of this year. So 2021, August 31st. It will no longer uh, be available to people. And the reason being is... Uh, This is from the PlayStation blog. The thing here is the store will no longer offer movie and TV purchases and rentals through PlayStation Store as of the date we've said. According to Sony, the decision was uh, made after observing tremendous growth uh, from PlayStation fans using subscription-based and ad-based entertainment services. So, you know... Netflix, Disney Plus, HBO Max now, or actually not HBO Max, it's pretty new, but, you know, Netflix and Disney Plus primarily, plus, like, YouTube and whatnot. Uh, And I'm getting it, actually, specifically from an IGN article by Jordan Ullman, but it's interesting here, and thinking about it, James, I honestly don't think I've ever used that service, have you? No. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, years ago, I considered making the playstation network the place where i like buy all my digital movies but it's just the idea that you can't watch those movies anywhere but your playstation 
versus if I were to buy my digital movies on Amazon or on iTunes, like I could maybe watch those other places. So I just, I didn't see the value in buying my things specifically from Sony's digital PlayStation network. So I just, I never did. So it's, and I don't think I, I mean, not like I really asked anyone over the years, but I, I don't know anyone that used the PlayStation store for their movies and stuff over any other service that's available on like just any screen that you can find it on. So it really doesn't surprise me that Sony probably saw that like you on average, their users don't use this part of the PlayStation network. So why bother continuing to spend the money to upkeep it, I guess, and, you know, pay, pay for like the rights to even sell all these movies and stuff like that. So I don't know. It makes sense. And if it allows them to focus on just making the gaming side of the PlayStation network stronger, because they they don't have to focus on movie distribution and stuff. I mean, hopefully it's good. Yeah. And I feel like for me to, even with the other services, like Amazon prime, I utilize really for rentals every now and again. Because it's like, it's something mm-hmm. temporary and it's really, in terms of your options, it's normally between that and YouTube. And I'm just like, well, at least I'll get kind of some form of discount with Amazon Prime. Yeah. And really, before that, I, I used like iTunes a bit where I purchased like, I don't know, random stuff I couldn't find any anywhere else. It was like, oh, I, well, I want to get this episode of South Park and then this episode of like Aqua Teen's Hunger Force and then like a season of X-Men or something. That was really all I ever got from those platforms but otherwise like with the streaming services you don't really touch these anymore like digital marketplaces aren't really useful and the only time I actually I've been creating a digital library is because I get the blu-ray and 4k combo packs of movies and you know they come with the digital copy that's really the only thing I do otherwise I don't really make spend money digitally on just a digital version just because i don't need it and i know it's like eventually it'll be available here and it, it's there's there's no other reason for that but i'm not really phased by this it makes sense like yeah they're going to be saving money in the long run now and they're already pr- they're using these services on their platforms there is not really necessarily a loss there i don't even know how much they probably make off of that type of uh market anyway so there is that uh, moving on, though, uh, we've been pretty much doing this. It seems like, honestly, James, it feels like it's becoming weekly now, practically. Like, there's something new every time. But, you know, we've said we we're going to continue talking about it, or at least updating on the news of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we do have another piece of uh, Ray Fisher uh, going through the allegations here. And this is from a tweet. So he tweeted out a pretty much like a, a page. And I'm going to go ahead and jump into it real fast, James. So... Uh, This is from Ray Fisher on Twitter on March 2nd. It's only like four days ago. Prior to the Justice League reshoots of 2017, racially discriminatory conversations were had and entertained on multiple occasions by Warner Bros. executives Toby Emmerich, Jeff Johns, and John Berg. Had I been aware of those conversations in real time, I would have addressed them in real time. However, it wasn't until the summer of 2020 that individuals who were in those meetings felt comfortable sharing with me what they had witnessed firsthand. 
When it comes to matters involving race, I always try to give the benefit of the doubt to those who may be ignore ignorant of their own biases. Uh, but when you have the studio executives, particularly Jeff Johns, saying, we can't have an angry black man at the center of the movie, and then those executives use their power to reduce and remove all black people from that movie, they are no longer entitled to any benefit associated with doubt. Toby, Jeff, and John were not ignorant of their biases. They understood full well that the racist rhetoric they hate they chose to entertain in those meetings was offensive, discriminatory, and unacceptable. Furthermore, they dared not speak those things to me nor any other black person associated with the film. Instead, they chose the cowardly route of gaslighting complete with extremely problematic requests such as asking me to play cyborg-like Quasimodo. Oh, geez. oh my God. And forcing a scene to be reshot so they could highlight the existence of Cyborg's penis. Unfortunately, those were some were just some of the issues. We now know that the leadership at Warner Brothers Pictures lied to the cast and crew of Justice League and to the world about Zack Snyder picking Joss Whedon to finish the film. The truth will continue to re reveal itself, and as it does, there will likely be attempts to shift blame completely onto Kevin Sushihara and Joss Whedon. But make no mistake, Jeff Johns worked intimately with Joss to overhaul the entire Justice League script. And while Jeff, uh, as well, yeah, and while Jeff was not credited as a co-writer of the film, he was certainly an enforcer of the race-based discrimination that occurred during the conversations with Toby and John. Zack Snyder's Justice League stands as proof of and opposition to that discrimination. I'm indebted to the participants of the Justice League investigation. They have put themselves at great risk to, the sh to share the truth. I owe it to them. I owe it to my peers in, my indus in this industry, and I owe it to all black people to stay the course. Onward, gratefully, Ray. P.S. Walter Hamada owes an apology to all the participants of the Justice League investigation. Uh, it does in quotes here on the end. It doesn't matter how strong your opinions are. If you don't use your power for positive change, you are indeed part of the problem. Quoted by Coretta Scott King. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah, so there's that. Which, uh, if I'm there were uh, there were I, I can't find I can't put the sources in here, but there were others I think that spoke out from other parts of either like Warner Brothers or CW that said they did have some stuff with Jeff Johns where it potentially was some race charge things that occurred with them too, in which resulted in them, I think, being laid off or something. I could be wrong. But if you go to Ray Fisher's Twitter, he did retweet a couple other people, and you could find that on his Twitter account and see what else has been going on because he will basically kind of escalate that person's platform if they had a message to get out to. But, yeah, so... There's more information there for you to take in, take with it what you will, but it is, you know, this is the newest thing after the previous was uh, some of the, one of the investigative people had said that, you know, Walter Hamada had cooperated with them and like, you know, they yeah. didn't have any issues during the investigation and stuff. So, you know, there's always, there's been just kind of two sides to this practically still, and will continue just like this. I don't know what will come next. I don't know when the next thing will come next, but we'll just continue on. Currently, I don't really have anything new to say 
on this specifically. I don't know if you do, James, or not. Yeah, but... I mean, I guess my only comment would be, like, the one weird part in there for me, I mean, the whole thing is awful if it's true, but, like, the thing where whoever it was saying, you know, we can't have an angry black dude be at the center of our movie, like, I don't... Does that mean he thought it would be off-putting to the general audience or did he think it's just not marketable i think it's off-putting to the it's like you're upsetting the you're upsetting the viewers <sighs> that I, kind of thing yeah. I, that's what i would expect uh because also if you think about it like it it's weird where the there's a weird shift change each time it seems like and i don't want to relate it to other things especially if they're completely different scale but you have situations where they're going off of a complete style and they don't believe like, oh, you know, well, you know, you're not trending, you're not going to make money. And also, you know, you're just going to be off putting to people. You're going to make people feel uncomfortable. So we don't yeah. want you to be in the front here. And then you get what happened in June and you get what happened like previously as well, where all of a sudden now it's like, oh, what's all the rage now? Oh, giving black people voices. So what are we going to do? We're going to double down on that now and now, not then, but now because it's popular you're going to get a lot more stuff about that kind of thing because you're like, oh, that's what the people want. That's what's going to make us money. Yeah. So they're kind of going through the bottom dollar of it and thinking money over uh, really race and voice there. And in pretty much that is, in intents and purposes, a form of racism easily. Oh, absolutely. And you can see that. It's just like, as it's, like I said, it's a bad example, but it's like uh, when you look at the Amy Hennig Star Wars and they're like, well, you know, first person... Or like uh, stories in the thing. It's all about multiplayer. And then they go, oh, multiplayer is doing really, uh, single player is doing really good. Let's get Jedi Fallen Order. It's that kind of thing. Much smaller scale. Like I said, I don't want to even compare them really at all. But it's like that is a simpler way of saying it. Whereas this is still just like, that's believable. That's That seems like yeah. something Hollywood would probably do. Because, you know, you're seeing all these more open shows and open movies and more, you know, diverse or not white and it's like wow they're really coming to go in, coming into it and it's like yes it's great give people voices do all this stuff but also we know that's what's trending that's what's popular and that's what they're going to go with because at the bottom line it's usually probably the money not what yeah. you're actually seeing and it i don't know if this is going too far but it just makes me feel like the way ray fisher said the executives were talking about him specifically it makes it feel like they weren't viewing him as an actor playing a character they viewed him as like a prop to be used. Yes. And that's incredibly that disgusting. Yeah. So I don't know what else can be done with this at this point. Like they did an investigation. I don't know what further like, they honestly, would Honestly, Ray said it himself, just apologies. Like apologies yeah. would be nice. But are that's the thing. Would but, they would, Yeah, is that are enough? they gonna do that? Yeah, that's yeah. even a thing. Like cause it's it's a whole because at this point too it's it's like they if they apologize would things change because you know at one point it was like apologies another point it was like resign but you know i don't i think at this point the apologies would be enough um at least for not necessarily enough but it's like it's like okay we're not gonna be enemies anymore but i'm not gonna it's not like i'm friends with you or anything but it's like you, you know yeah he's not gonna be going out he's not gonna be doing what he's currently doing and using his platform like as a voice to like let everyone know about this kind of thing. But like I said, I don't know what's going to come next, when it's going to come, but we'll we'll see it when we see it. And that is really all we have for this week in that kind of thing. Yeah. 
Uh, moving on to more light lighthearted stuff, because that's probably the most serious thing we'll ever talk about each time, whenever each week, each week is probably, that's what it's always going to be that's serious. But uh, a movie that we've been waiting for, for quite some time, A Quiet Place Part 2, James, was going to release, uh, the newest release date we've had was June 25th, 2021. We're going to get it this summer, pretty much over a year after it's been delayed. It was supposed to be April of 2020. It has now since been moved again, but James moved up because mm-hmm. I think with all of the, uh, we're getting better with COVID. Like there's obviously still, you know, there's still people passing away from this virus. Yeah. There are still people suffering from it. There's still people with a shit ton of people without jobs and whatnot. Uh, there is like the economy is returning. People are starting to go out again because now there's more and more people getting vaccinated. So people yeah. can kind of nice start living again. Hearing that we're having like millions of vaccinations a day. And also in certain places, not all, but certain places, you know, the the rates are going down. Anyway, mm-hmm. people have been doing mostly a good job. And at least for us here in San Francisco, we've been in the worst, uh, we've been in the worst, like, I guess, stage the whole time. They've kept us in the purple the whole time, which means things are remaining closed the whole time. And this is also pretty much California for a good amount, too. But we are finally entering the red, which means, like, at least the, for theaters specifically, we're going to have theaters reopening now. Actually, they I believe they actually opened already this week. And it's very limited. It's not like, you know, full theaters and there's no food in most of them. There's no food being served or anything like that. You can't do that stuff. But it's like you can at least now go watch a movie. And I'm not sure how much space there is, like I said, but it's doable now. And with that is the reason why you're now seeing, oh, we can have May 28th. So one month sooner for The Quiet Place Part 2. And with that too, James, do you know what this means? It's coming to streaming? No. Do you know what it means that theaters are open? (laughs) Yeah. You think they're going to be open by, what uh, what was it again? Well, they're already open, but do you know what I can do now? Theaters are opening now in San Francisco, yes. Uh, The Metreon already sent me an email saying like, hey, you want to buy tickets? (laughs) They're like, come on, quick, come over here. Uh, But at the end of the month, we get Godzilla vs. Kong, mm-hmm. which means I get to buy a theater and watch Godzilla vs. Kong, James, mm-hmm. in the city. And I'm going to go for the IMAX. I don't know how much it's going to cost. If I need to buy out the whole theater or at least buy out like half of the theater, we're going to figure that out, but it's going to happen. And I don't know if it's either going to be at the Metreon or the, the Daily City one because they, Met- they have an IMAX now too. But I think I get to see... Godzilla versus Kong in IMAX, and I'm quite pleased with that. I'm quite, quite pleased. Hopefully, and I think what's, soon. Yeah, the only one we haven't seen yet is the, the Alamo, and I think like for now, like the, that's the only thing I want to do is that one little movie, and I'm going right back inside until I get vaccinated. That's like the one little thing I want, and even then, like I said, if I can buy out the whole theater, I will. If not, I'm going to get majority of it, so I don't feel any discomfort possible, and. Once we're vaccinated and hopefully the Alamo is back, you know, we can start catching up on all those movies we yeah, missed and I was just actually saying, enjoy. Yeah, I, I miss the Alamo so much, dude. Uh, and, you know, uh, I don't know if people heard Alamo filed for chapter 11, chapter 11. Oh, my bankruptcy. God, really? Yeah, they are closing the Austin theater, I believe. Mm. But they haven't said about others yet. They said that apparently they're like selling off assets and they said the theaters will still run that are op- that are going to open and they're still apparently might open new ones still too. 
but at least the lowest performing ones they might axe potentially. So I think the California ones of specifically San Francisco and now the newer Los Angeles one should be safe, I think. Yeah. But as long as I can still watch them here and potentially in the LA in the future, that's, 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 I'm, I'm just at least grateful for that. But James, guess what? Uh, we are not even 25 minutes in. That's all the movie TV news. Ooh, excellent. Yeah. And uh, other news here is for our conventions this year. Our two biggest ones, of course, which is E3 and Comic-Con. And James, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're surprised here, but they're not going to be uh, they're not going to be in person. Does that shock you at all? No, that, not at all. Is that... Does that scare you? Are you surprised by, by this announcement? I mean, it's interesting that E3 is going to try to be digital this year because like last year they had nothing planned and they just, you know, I think they they might have really been hoping that coronavirus would just go away sooner rather than later. And it just never did. So they just eventually like, oh, man, like wait really soon before the conference, like I can't remember how long it was, but they uh, they just canceled it. So I guess it makes sense that they this year, since even with the vaccines out and even with, you know, more and more people being vaccinated every day, I still personally don't feel confident that there would be enough people vaccinated by June to make a, a conference the scale of E3 safe. So it just makes sense that they would try to do it online this year. Yeah. And for both, like, looking at these, uh, we did have, I believe, Comic-Con last year digitally, and they'll do it again this year. For all intents and purposes, 2022 is really when everyone's starting to do their conventions again, it sounds like. And for that point, like, everyone should be vaccinated by then anyway. Like, it should be to that point where you're in the year 2022, and what's going to happen is you're basically taking flu shots. You're taking one for the flu and one for COVID at that point. And you're now back to relative normalcy, I would say. I don't know if, I have no idea if people are still wearing masks. I have no idea if uh, people are uh, distanced at all. I just know at least I can guarantee, I, I think everyone will probably be walking around with hand sanitizer at the very least at this point. Dude, I still, uh, I know I will. I know it's crazy, but I still kind of want that razor mask. That's just like a super smart mask with chroma lighting and like replaceable filters. And the, the charging cradle is a UV like cleaning box. It, I just think it's such a clever design. Oh yeah. No, it's no, going to be like a $300 dope. mask and I'm just going to be like, Ooh, I don't know about that. I- <laughs> I just still want to get that Under Armour one so I can have it while running. That's about it. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be happy with that. Uh, and add it to my collection. What are people going to do with their masks after this is all over? Are you just going to... Are, are people going to toss them? Are they going to have like a little a trophy spot where it's like, these were my survival tools? <laughs> I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. But yeah, so that's our movie TV news. And... Or wait, we already did that. Sorry, we're in the conventions now. Jesus, sorry, I'm, I'm all over the place there. Uh, the masks threw me off. It's all the, the COVID talk. But uh, back to the like the Comic-Con stuff. So for sure, Digital Comic-Con, it's fine, really. It's not that big of a deal, but you do get some interesting stuff. You notice there's a lot of weird little reunions for shows and stuff, and they do table readings and whatnot. Uh, I don't know if they'll do that again, but... At least, like, you know, you're not missing. You're not, like, missing a ticket to Comic-Con. You're like, well, everyone's in the same situation at the very least uh, for that kind of thing. For E3, 
It's going to be interesting here more so because, James, last year we didn't get E3 at all. And this year, you know, you're getting an E3 in a world where PlayStation has their own event. Mm -hmm. EA, EA has their own event. Microsoft owns Bethesda, who is the other group that had their own press conference for E3. And now they're all in one, which I don't really know if they'll still do something separate or not. But would they be at E3? I think at least those two would. I don't see why they wouldn't want to. Um, because normally I think they, I feel like Xbox would support them more so. I don't think Sony will still do it at all. And Nintendo. And Nintendo has had their own directs for a while. Although they, yeah. they still usually have like a show floor uh, at E3. That's usually from, from what I've heard from people who actually go to E3. It's usually really fun to see because it's like really heavily themed to usually follow a specific name or game that's coming out soon. Yeah. Like when Breath and of the Wild came out, they recreated like parts of Hyrule and it was just like really, really neat. Yeah. And then we had Ubisoft, uh, what was it? Ubisoft For- play? Forward? I already Ubisoft forward. Oh shit. That's what it was called. Uh, yeah. So we had Ubisoft forward and you know, everyone found their own thing to do. Now we're here and yeah. What is E3 exactly going to have? Is it going to have press conferences uh, with all these groups? Or are they just going to be like, oh, here's like our own version of the IGN indie shit or the, the IGN Summer Gaming and the uh, the Summer Games Fest and PC Gaming and whatever, all those different shows we had last summer. Uh, is it going to be like that just at E3? Is that going to just be another one? Yeah. Or are they going to do something more? And... This is where I'm very curious, like, could they partner with all these different groups? Like, they're like, okay, we know you guys didn't show up last year for us, and you didn't show up. Some of you even left the year before that. But what if, you know, we just did some uh, mutual benefit here where you guys kind of go in our time slate? Like, you still have your own thing, but it's within our, like, week. And you have our little logo in the corner saying like, oh, this is part of E3. But now you're part of the biggest week, potentially, because everyone else is here again. And we are promoting this everywhere. You're promoting this everywhere. So it's mutual benefit at that point. Or does like specifically, I feel like, you know, the ones that wouldn't maybe like Sony go, no, we're good. We'll just go like two weeks later. And have our own week where it's like, oh, this is just us. And we fire it off on the little cylinders. I know everyone wants to see God of War, basically. And do that kind of thing. It, I, I don't know what's going to happen and who is going to agree to show up there for their thing. It should hopefully just be a week. And I'm hoping, though, you know, it's like E3 is big. Or at least it was. Is it enough, James, that if you get an E3 this year... Will that eliminate all these other summer shows we've been getting in its place? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know if like Jeff Keighley might. That one's still going on. They oh, they for okay, sure so going to continue with Summer Games Fest. That uh, one for sure, I think, is going to continue. Then, uh, unless IGN also is doing their thing, like it's going to be really weird because, like you just said. All of the major companies out there, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, they all have their own shows to show off their own games. And, you know, usually they might put something out around E3 
or Sony didn't even bother one year. They like put out a PlayStation Direct like a month after E3 or whatever it was. So yeah, unless the runners of E3 can get, um, I can't remember what that organization is called, uh, unless they can get people like Ubisoft or I don't know, EA to sh- bring something to their show. I don't know what the point of this year's digital E3 is because yeah, everyone just can do their own shows whenever they want. They don't have to, you know, do it at a specific time to make it for E3. So yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it'll be interesting to see what it ends up being and it, it might really make it clear whether or not E3 can survive anymore. Yeah. I will I will say this at least in its defense James. I think I think I speak for both of us when I say I think I missed E3 last year surely because having a compacted week of just everything at once yeah. is honestly at this point preferable to what we got last summer. Yeah, that was crazy that last summer there was just so much news every week. And it wasn't the worst part was it wasn't even that big. Like they were all like every like there were some like announcements that were huge, but they were more standalone. It's like mm-hmm. Tony Hawk was standalone, Crash mm-hmm. Four was standalone, but a lot of these were just like, oh, these are like kind of some games and stuff, and you know, they're here. Come take a look, and it's like, yeah, they're cool, but did you have to make it like five hours? Yeah. Do we need that? <laughs> and then make it for like three week, three days in the weekend, and then do another weekend after that. It's just, yeah, it's exhausting. And I think at least if you can eliminate one, um, I'm sorry, Aegean, but, you know, you guys were the most spread out. And I think that would be the one I would love to eliminate there, especially because it's like, you know, you guys are just news. I'd love it if you just report these things and not do that thing. E3 is back. So if E3 is back, we don't need that. We don't need those other shows, too. If we're going to have Summer Game Fest from Jeff Keighley, which, you know, at least he does a good job with that kind of stuff and... It seems interesting because at least like there are more event style where or event style where, you know, we got Unreal 5, we got Tony Hawk, we got Crash 4 and they felt like cool little events in and of themselves. I'm fine with that. Just don't over don't make it go crazier than that. I'm fine with you doing like, oh, we didn't put the city three. So we'll announce it here. Just don't do like a whole weekend long thing of hey here's another weekend uh, we already did e3 but here's all this too uh you gotta watch all of it for like 12 hours so that that's what i would say to watch out for for sure all right anything else before i move on no nah, i think that's it all right cool uh we got so this is i, I wasn't expecting this james uh, an aliens fire team game did you see this yeah, it looks uh, announcement here? I mean, unless I'm completely misunderstanding it, it looks like it's basically Left 4 Dead with a- aliens, which neat. It's like, hey, uh, we're not trying as crazy as we did with uh, Colonial Marines, but it's like, hey, check it out. We've got like a cool looking aliens game. And it is, it's, it's interesting because it's three player co-op, James. It's not four and it's for all consoles pretty much well actually almost all consoles sorry switch it's you know pc uh ps4 ps5 series xs xbox one all of them are going to be uh getting this game and 
it's coming, uh, I believe, in... When is it actually coming? Do we know when it's coming, James? No. I, uh, I saw the trailer. I don't remember if they had a release date. But at least we know it looks cool. It looks really mm-hmm. cool. And I'm, I'm glad it's not Gearbox doing it after what they did last time. And, you know, if you guys ever want to know what happened, uh, there is actually a really good documentary youtube channel called gamers mm. and instead of an a it's a v in the so it's like g-v-m-e-r-s but they do these cool little documentaries it's like the rise and fall of franchises and developers and stuff but one of their newest ones is actually aliens colonial marines and they talk about like the whole thing with gearbox and how they took the money from sega but then like uh used it for borderlands and all this stuff <laughs> they, they were like oh we're here. Uh. dude they're there's a bunch of screwed up stuff apparently that Pitcher had pulled uh, for that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, Google just says Fireteam's release date is listed as 2021, so I don't think they have a hard uh, release date yet. Okay, and I'm I'm excited for this because it's like we we don't really get PVE co-op games often, or at least like you know they've changed. I guess you could say into service massive type games. You have Destiny, you have Division. And you have the other ones that are failing left and right that no one likes because it's, <laughs> they just don't do good. But, you know, they're massive and they, they're, you know, they're so, there's so much going on in Destiny. There's so much going on in the Division, whereas these look much more straightforward, like Left 4 Dead was, where it's like, do the mission, run through the mission, you did the mission, do you yeah. want to do it again? Okay, sure, yeah, take it, go do with your thing with your friends. It's very simplistic and... You know, I liked having those too. It was really fun, and that's why, like, you know, James, my the game I'm really looking forward to this year, Back for Blood. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all, for all intents and purposes, Left for Dead Three, yeah. and I'm like, it looks so good. oh my, I so want far. this so badly, and I'm glad to get this too. That looks really cool, and if it's the same type of thing, it's just hey, you got your zombie game with your friends for you. It's you and three friends fighting zombies, and oh, also, if you're not feeling that at the moment, or you want to switch off a little bit, you know do a little something different you and two friends go fight some aliens yeah i'm definitely down for that and honestly like i could i feel like both of these are going to be day one buys for me because i know exactly what i want to do and i know these will probably garner a great amount of people to play like i can tell you a lot of people would definitely want to play this with me and i won't have any problems finding it like i did with ghost recon breakpoint <laughs> to find anyone to play <laughs> and division two <laughs> why doesn't anyone want to play top clancy games on playstation uh so yeah that's that's that but i i'm 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 looking forward to this and it's uh cold iron studios is developing it Hmm. so not gearbox once again uh and uh james actually this is uh fire team is set in 20 no 2202 23 years after the original alien movie trilogy Hmm. at this point in the timeline xenomorph outbreaks are rare but the aliens are widely known about the Colonial, Mar- the Colonial Protection Act of 2187 commissioned warships to patrol the universe and protect colonists from xenomorph outbreaks. You play as a new soldier aboard the USS Endeavor, and you end up orbiting Katanga after a distress call. There are, to- there are over 20 total enemy types, including 11 unique types of xenomorphs, ranging from facehuggers to Praetoritans. Uh, synthetics will also be on your list of foes. Uh, each campaign has new enemies to fight, one of them being a Xenomorph Hive. 
Interesting. And there's different types of like uh, there's different types of players you can play as. This is uh, I got this all from uh, once again another IGN article. This is from my, Ryan McCaffrey, which you know if you know Ryan McCaffrey is just uh, he's honestly like probably the best dude over there. Uh, I always like uh, reading his articles, but uh, they got gunner, demolisher, technician, doc, and recon. So you can kind of guess what each one of those roles would be. I don't think I need to explain them to you, but dude, I I'm excited for this and. It sounds really cool. 11 types of Xenomorph streams. You know, it's like, that's a lot of different types of things. Yeah, I, I do like that there's a lot of variety to the enemies. It, I mean, that was, I guess, one of the few things that Left 4 Dead had, at least the first one had against it, was that there were only like a handful of enemy types. It was still really, really fun, especially because it, it threw so many enemies at you. But, you know, it was definitely a lot better in Left 4 Dead 2 with like they had a few more types of enemies and you know uh back for blood looks like there's a shit ton of types of enemies in that one uh, yeah <laughs> dude there's mad they're like we put in zombie behemoth and it's like oh my god yeah so i like the idea that it's not going to be just you shooting generic xenomorphs over and over and over and over again and like that still might be cool because that was basically all you know al- the you know second aliens movie uh well i guess just aliens was um the like the soldiers sh- like having to just kill a fuck ton of xenomorphs and it was exciting but you know that's a movie so when it comes to a game that's only fun for so long just throwing like a lot of enemies at you so ha- having 20 different kinds of enemies and, and also throwing in synthetics in there too and it's not just xenomorphs uh it makes me kind of hopeful that this will be fun to play for sure definitely Actually, you know, I still have to play um, Isolation. I forgot to play Same. that Same. I think that's still on Game Pass. I want to play it at some point. I just keep I hearing... think I still have it downloaded on my Xbox, to be honest. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, never touched it. I just hear that, like, a lot of it is really good, but then, like, the last half of the game is just boring or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll see. And uh, next up, though. But, yeah, looking forward to it, for sure. Next game or next set of news, uh, James. I don't know if we want to skip this or not. Honestly, it's the PSVR announcement they did with all those new PSVR games. Yeah. So, oh, so the showcase. Well, I guess they did two, yeah. uh, two different things. They kind of like a week ago they mentioned just oh like, PSVR two. Not and they didn't even have like a video to show it off or anything. It's just that like it's like it's gonna happen. Yeah. They just mentioned that like oh by the way we we are still working on PlayStation VR. There is gonna be a PSVR like hardware 2.0, but we just don't have anything to show yet. Yeah. So which uh, it sounds like they didn't they say it's gonna be like a single cable this time or something. They did say something like that. Like they want to simplify it to just so I guess it's not wireless, which would be nice. But the fact at least it's not everything else yeah. like it's still an improve if it's an improvement's an improvement i guess you could say for sure um and then yeah this week they just one day were like here's like five different psvr games that's coming out check it out yeah it was interesting and it shows you know they still have support mm-hmm. for it it's still happening and i guess i'll just name off the the games uh but we don't have to go into them mm-hmm. uh doom 3 vr edition that i'm very interested in i don't think i ever played doom 3 so i don't think anyone expected doom 3 <laughs> no 
I mean, I guess it makes more sense than Doom 1 or 2, because that would be really disorienting in, in VR, unless you just completely... Dude, that game. you're just in, like, a 2D, just... Oh! Yeah. <laughs> I can't even... Uh, I, you know, if they did that, they may as, might as well do Wolfenstein 3D so you can fight Mecha Hitler. Oh and God, just, yeah. like, you're just like... Oh, my God. That would be ridiculous. Um, Song in the Smoke, which... Uh, it looks kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, Fract. Which, I don't know if I looked into this one. It looked weird. It looked like there was like zombies or something. I couldn't really tell. It's uh, there was something about I don't know. It was like the purple dude or something. I, I forget what it was. But it, it looked like you're shooting a guy and you're like ziplining or something. I honestly don't remember. Okay. Uh, I expect you to die too. The spy and the liar. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Like I I liked the first one. Well, I I didn't play the first one, but I liked the idea of a vr escape room like i think i actually mentioned on this podcast at some point that like that's my perfect idea for a vr game is like escape room an escape room and which is this is like uh it sounds kind of espionage oh it's definitely like a playoff of james bond's like no mr bond i expect you to die for those that don't know that is uh goldfinger from the movie goldfinger (laughs) that's like the third james bond movie uh zenith which looks there's like a uh, snake people um it's a it's jrpg MMO, right jrpg and anime influenced mmo built for virtual reality yes yeah so like it's interesting that it's a vr mmo but i don't think those two things really jive for me <laughs> yeah i dude, I, I just don't well, know. it's one of those things where like i I have a psvr like a, a a friend of chris's wanted to get rid of it so he was like hey I'm cleaning out my apartment. Do you want it? And I was like, oh, sure. Wait, you got a PSVR? Yeah. I, I, I still know that. I still need to request the uh, adapter because I keep forgetting to do that. Apparently, you actually literally need to get the serial number, and I just literally haven't opened the box. Wait, so did you ever... You, so you've never tried it, no, I haven't right? tried it yet, no. Oh, man. If I if I knew you had... Oh, dude, you could have at least tried... um, uh, What? Astrobot Rescue Mission or whatever. Dude, there's Astrobot Rescue Mission. I still like want to try out rigs if I can find a game for batman that. vr uh that i didn't buy but like i i bought dreams the other day because it was like 10 bucks um oh nice okay. i i got star wars squadrons because nice. i was like okay. oh dude you can get iron man too yeah yeah and so like there's definitely things i want to play on vr and i uh, and i have one beat saber <laughs> yeah fucking beat saber oh my god dude beat saber is so good though it yeah. is actually hella good uh there's a lot you could do that's 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 actually you know people don't say it but they i mean like also for us, there's a lot you can do because sure. we never played it. Whereas, you know, I guess if you've had it and you've kind of Hell, kept I, up with it, I could, it might be a little bit different. Yeah, I could finally play Resident Evil 7 and play the whole thing in VR. Or, you know, get back into No Man's Sky and play that in VR to make it more interesting, I guess. But, uh, I don't know. I, I So, I have not tried PSVR myself yet. So, I don't know if I'm one of those people that gets, like, crazy motion sick or whatever. Hopefully, hopefully not but uh it's one of those things where if i if i do get motion sick even just slightly in vr then i don't think i'm gonna want to play a vr mmo because those are just designed to be time sinks yeah so i don't want to spend like four hours in vr at a time or whatever like that seems like a lot and uh the last one was after the fall 
which uh, it's the guys that uh, it's Vertigo Games, the dudes that made Arizona Sunshine. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I saw this one's trailer either. It's uh, a alternate 1980s L.A. And it's like a frozen L.A. and there's these like weird snow people or something or the snow breed. And it's yeah, it's like snow people. But they're like zombie snow people. Hmm. It it looks kind of interesting. I don't know. Um, it could be cool, but just check out the trailer and see for yourself. I'd say for yeah. that one, because I'd say out of all of these, the two that uh, the ones that interest me a little bit, maybe Doom VR. Uh, but I would say honestly, kind of uh, yeah. After the fall seems the most interesting to me, mm. but that's just because it kind of has a cool snow zombie theme. I don't know. Maybe I like zombies too much. Who knows? But. Yeah, that was PSVR. Not really much to... I mean, I don't, I don't have anything really to say on it because I don't have any VR and I still haven't gotten them. And if I was, like like I said, I was probably leaning towards the Oculus just because I specifically want Middle yeah, of Honor. Same. Like, I... And, yeah. You know, I like the convenience of PSVR just because it's like, you know, you plug it into PlayStation and it works. But I do like the idea of the Oculus Quest being its own standalone thing. You don't need to connect it to a computer, but if you do have a computer that's VR capable, you can hook it up to your computer and use it just like an Oculus 2 or whatever. Like, it's a very smart device that's not tied to one specific thing. Now, that's really all we got for PSVR, unless you have anything else, James. No, that's that's it. It's it's just cool to see that they're still supporting PlayStation VR to the point where they're like, randomly once in a while they'll just drop a uh, VR showcase. Okay, so if that's the case, that's all of our news for this week, which means we can catch up with our news from the previous week. Which means, do you know what's next, James? destiny destiny guys so if you guys don't like destiny i guess you can stop listening if you really want to but uh we're gonna get into our talk of destiny not the gaming yet in terms of like what we've been playing for it but uh we want to start with because they have two twops i honestly haven't read them so i might just kind of skim through to see if there's anything worth it but before we do that the thing we wanted to talk about is destiny 2021 update the Road to the Witch Queen, which was uh, posted on 20, February 25th uh, by their dev team. And you can find it on Bungie.net or on the Destiny app. But I'm going to go through here. And we got uh, we got a lot. So I'm not going to actually read the thing like completely or anything like that. But I'm going to point out what they have talked about here. And the, the first thing, at least the first point, like I said, if you want to get more like the depth of their storytelling or like they're, you know, they're, they're giving you the full like breakdown of everything like, oh, you know, guys, you know, you know, this many years ago, we've been doing this and we've worked really hard and all this other stuff and whatnot. It's, it's an interesting read, but, you know, we're going straight to the point here. And last year, they gave us Beyond Light and they showed it as kind of part of a trilogy, James. It was like Beyond Light is year one. Or, you know, is the first of this trilogy. Beyond Light. Year two is the Witch Queen. Mm -hmm. Year three is Lightfall. Mm -hmm. That is no longer the case. Yeah. Instead, Beyond Light is its own thing where it's kind of like a transitionary period. It's like that bridge uh, where it's like, oh, we're getting into the darkness more. But also we're leaving like the kind of area we've been in previously with Destiny 1 and 2. And instead, the Witch Queen is the start of the trilogy. (laughs) 
So, Lightfall isn't the end anymore, Wait, or it's really? not the the final part. Yeah. Huh. So what they say is so here. Uh, this this is the first thing we'll say here, and uh, uh, so let's see the the way the way um the way they start it here is. Last summer, we outlined our ambition for the next era in Destiny 2 by announcing the full arc, starting with Beyond Light, followed by the Witch Queen and Lightfall, what I said. Uh, as we begin to scale, or as we began to scale the production on the Witch Queen last year, we made the difficult but important decision to move its release to early 2022. We also realized we needed to add an additional un unannounced chapter after Lightfall to fully complete our first saga of Destiny. Huh. Remember what they say here, first saga. Yeah. First, not the saga, first saga. We've long thought about moving Destiny's annual release to the early half of the year, primarily for the, the health of the team, but the Witch Queen and not being tied uh, to the legacy expectations allowed us to make this choice early for three important reasons. The Witch Queen represents an important evolution in the ongoing story of Destiny 2 Beyond Light, built the foundation... Uh, Beyond Light built the foundation and allowed us to weave the world building of Destiny and Destiny 2 together. But the Witch Queen will light the fire on a strongly interconnected narrative across Lightfall and beyond. Unlike anything we've ever attempted before, with characters, arcs, heroes, and villains that persist over multiple future releases, even more importantly, the conclusion of these releases will also conclude the Light and Darkness saga. The conflict we first introduced with the launch of Destiny many years ago. As we've been developing the Witch Queen, we realized that we needed this release to be the first of many moments of crucial storytelling, uh, or crucial uh, many moments crucial to the story of Destiny. With so much leading and dependent on what happens in the Witch Queen, we wanted to make sure that we gave ourselves enough time to build out our journey, or build out this journey in this in the right way, starting with an exceptional first chapter in the Witch Queen. That was the first bullet point. Uh, second bullet point. Uh, it's shorter, at least. With Destiny now committed to being an over everlasting, evolving world, we want to make sure we are still taking the time to upgrade the systematic, uh, the systemic foundation of Destiny 2 to support everything we want to do in the future. Our ultimate vision for Destiny 2 still stands a definitive action MMO, a unified global community where you can play Destiny anywhere with your friends. For 2021, this means upgrading our approach to keeping Destiny's weapons and armor game fresh, refining our vision of PvP, implementing transmog, and adding crossplay. More below. And final bullet point there. Finally, and the most important reason, we are proud to be uncompromising when it comes to our commitment to the health of our teams. With COVID-19 keeping us away from, our, from the office and the large amount of work on our plates, we needed to move the date in order to make sure that both this year's updates and the Witch Queen were both delivered at the quality we strive for and on a schedule that made sense for everyone involved. Making this choice is not one we took lightly, believe me. As someone close to the Witch Queen's progress, there's no one more than us that wants us to get, wants to get, at, get it out as soon as it's ready. But at the end of the day, we know we're making the call for the Witch Queen and the future chapters of Destiny 2 for all the right reasons. One that puts our team first and our game at the quality bar we strive for ourselves. We'll have more to share on the Witch Queen and Beyond Light in the late summer of this year. But today, we need to talk to you about what's happening in 2021. Let's get to it. So, 
First things first, James. Witch Queen is delayed from the fall to early 2022, which means probably like February, like anywhere between January to March, probably. Dang. I mean, it's not like it's a whole year or anything, but that's still like a pretty significant uh, delay, though. It is. And, you know, it makes sense. I'm fine with it just because I'm fine with it for two reasons. One, if there is anything like, remember during season of the the arrival was so long that you got to use it to catch up on everything you needed to do before Beyond Light came out, Mm -hmm. where it's like, cool, now I just have to focus on Beyond Light when it comes out. There's not like, you know, previous times where I'm like, oh, I'm doing my, it's like, oh, how's the, how's Shadowkeep? I don't know. I'm doing this Forsaken stuff right now. It's like, what the fuck are you, why didn't you do it last year? I was busy. I still haven't done all of the like memories for uh, Eris. (laughs) Oh my God. You see, this is what I'm talking about. Exactly. So you get extra time to clean this stuff up. You get like, you know, you have gaming backlogs. You have other games to play. In Destiny, you have gaming backlogs. You have things to do in Destiny to do because <laughs> it's so big. And, you know, we have more time. I, what this means is, or I guess, does this mean we get another season? Does this mean we have a longer season? I think it means we have a longer fall season and they'll figure out what to do with that. Or, like, I guess this would have been the fall season, but now it's different. It's hard to kind of say exactly what this means like they don't really specify i mean it's how this is gonna work it's far enough out that they could think up like a a season to do in that time that's like leading into witch queen that they now have to like it sounds like they've kind of rewritten the story a little bit because they had like new ideas maybe they could use a season to like lead into that more but i don't know and the thing is too we were getting it in the fall of 2021 was that like original previous releases of September or was that like beyond lights release of November? We have to keep that in mind too. Mm, yeah. Because if it's like, Oh, September, that means we're getting about four to six months of, uh, <laughs> we need something there. Yeah. If it's November, then we need four months. Basically. They got to uh, plan for that time. Two to four months. Yeah. So it's either, you are expanding your other seasons or you're basically putting in a, another like uh yeah another kind of like appetizer season you need to put something there to kind of keep something going but either i mean if it's not and they just kind of have that season of the arrivals length again they have to make sure to put more into it because arrivals was cool you know like it was it was interesting a little bit. It made you do the weekly stuff again for like the mission for Eris and she'll give you like a new little lore piece each time from the egg or whatever. Well, I already forgot what it was like the tree or something. Oh no, she talked about eggs at one point. And at the same time though, you know, you got tired of going to those, uh, I already forgot what they were called, the invasion points or something. I don't, I already forgot what they were called, James. Uh, for this season where you'd from arrivals uh where oh, you, it was like banking contacts. the moats contact points yeah so uh if it's something like that like that seasonal activity because you know after that we had during beyond light during season of the hunt instead it was the wrathborn hunts and in this season it's the battlegrounds which battlegrounds can be kind of tight it's they're like i think they're fun but some of them are longer than they need to be yeah they're pretty long but at least 
yeah, they, they at least they, they feel a little bit more entertaining. And there's like four of them already that you can mm-hmm. choose from. So that's kind of better, I guess. I just because, yeah, Wrathborn hunts were OK, but they were kind of empty a little bit. Yeah, it just it felt like I ran through the entire season's contents like within the first week. And yeah, until it, like a, a few weeks before the season ended, they were like, oh, here's one more hunt to do. And now we have like the pinnacle exotic activities, but we'll get more into this stuff like later on. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about it more so um, after we get through the news. But it's, it's just going to be interesting to see what they do to fill in. Because like at least for now, we still have the rest of the spring or a good amount of the spring to go through because our season still has the Guardian games in it. And we haven't even gotten to that yet. So oh, it's, yeah, a, huh. it's a long season, you could say. Yeah. Or, you know, a, a goodly length one. But otherwise... Besides the delay, we got that whole thing of them talking about the saga. So we've got Witch Queen. We've got, which, you know, is Savathun. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's fully on Savathun. It's the Hive, the Taken. And then you have Lightfall, which is light and dark. And then a third chapter we don't even know about yet. But it's going to be the end of the light and dark saga. And then there's something new after that. Yeah. Gives a lot to think about, right? Yeah. I honestly wonder what like maybe that could be what destiny three is like when they finally finish up like the the light and dark saga and somehow introduce like a new story beat somehow they could do destiny three but I don't know or they could just make it called destiny and they just do updates all the time like oh here's graphic updates here's this stuff like kind of you know who does it world warcraft exactly yeah yeah, they they do the whole thing where every now and again, every expansion, they'll be like, oh, we took uh, we specifically went back and this specific race of characters, uh, we did a whole texture yeah. uh, upgrade to them. So now they look a lot better. They're like redesigned a little bit. So your character should look a little bit more upgraded since it was yeah. three years ago. Or it's something. like, oh, we designed this character like a decade ago when the game was new. So and we could do better now. So here, here you go. New character model. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to have my character look more interesting. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm, I, I, I made myself pretty plain, James. I made myself a human, and that's it. I didn't make him a Moken. I didn't make him uh, XO. I mean, I did for my other two characters, but, like, my main hunter, he's just human. And Same for my Titan. I, I just wish I had a little bit more customization there, or at least he could look a little cooler, because, you know, I never take off his helmet, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, same. I mean, I honestly sometimes forget what my Titan even looks like. <laughs> right? So there's that whole thing there. But it's it's going to be really cool to see what we're getting from all of this. Because obviously we're getting another super or another no, new class in Witch Queen, which it's going to be hive oriented, I'm sure. Uh, you talked about poison, which I thought was really good. Yeah idea there especially like oh it's like you know we've only gotten one glimpse of it before yeah, and, and it was literally already a damage type in the game yeah it's from the hive damage type plus it's like you know you see thorn is like a good example mm-hmm. of like oh it was there the whole time and of course too like I, I one dude in my clan said at one point hive fire and i was like dude hive fire would be cool also and i mean you look at your enemies and for the most part honestly a lot of them use the same thing like fallen and cabal just kind of use your energy weapons true uh now there's some fallen with stasis but otherwise like the vex don't have anything specific so the hive kind of have the the unique stuff you can look at 
and utilized Plus, there. Plus, they but... are, like, the close, I guess, closest aligned to the dark. Yeah, very much so. Very much so, especially with the sword logic. Yeah. Uh, it kind of goes hand in hand there. For sure. So, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting seeing them. And honestly, it seems like with this, they're shifting altogether. It sounds like they're all the future expansions are just every year it's going to come out in the beginning of the new year, not in the end of the previous year. Yeah, I guess so, maybe. I mean, because otherwise then you have a more compacted schedule. Like, you're like, oh, we have to get this many seasons out in this amount of time before then, before that next year's up. So... I don't think we're going to get any more big expansions in September or November. It's going to be all like somewhere between January and March, uh, whatever it's going to take for them. Because I think also Witch Queen is the last case where they're going to be like, hey, we need to take extra time for it. Hopefully. And who knows, you know, Lightfall, maybe they do, but it's more for creative reasons, not necessarily because it's like COVID potentially. Because I think, you know, before Witch Queen is even out, they'll be back in the offices anyway. Yeah, you got to hope that like... We don't have to keep doing this working from distance, like distance working, you know, indefinitely. Like hopefully by, you know, after Witch Queen comes out in early 2022, like they, at least by then, everyone in their office has been vaccinated and they can all get back to work and, you know, work how they're used to working as opposed to like trying to make things do from a distance. Yeah. And so... Last po- last thing here, James, before moving on to the next section of this massive road. Uh, beyond the Light and Dark Saga. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't even know what that, that could be. What? Yeah, it's like, what does it mean? Like, what does it mean? Tell me! Literally, that's like this whole... Like, I mean, yeah, there was a golden age in, in Destiny on Earth before the Traveler made the, the ghosts and which made the Guardians... And all that stuff, but you know, the whole story of Destiny is revolve it revolves around the Traveler and the Darkness. So, you know, a a Destiny without that, I I don't know what it is because it I the the thing that I keep thinking of is like the Iron Lords, but even they had Titan power or Guardian powers. So, yeah, and Saladin is very pro light, like to the point where well he at some point when I like went up to him for Iron Banner, he's like, hey. I heard you got dark powers. Stop that shit. But, you know, yeah, I'm not like, going to stop you. <laughs> Solid, man, where were you during the Red War, bitch? Huh? Yeah, where right? were you at? <laughs> fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Solid talking shit to yeah. us. Can't believe that. thought he was cool, too. Man. I was a fell but... winter. No one called me. <laughs> I, was, I was just... Uh, 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 <laughs> I lost my glasses for, like, a whole, whole section of time. It's like but, his, like he, you know, he probably would have felt when the uh, traveler was like encased because he would have lost his light too, but he would have been stuck on the top of that mountain to be like, ah, shit, I can't, I don't, I can't do anything. I'm stuck I'm on this stuck mountain. I'm stuck here for a while. I'm bored. No one's here. I'm alone. Uh, I'm going to talk to these wolves. I'll tend to the Oh, fires. no. <laughs> the wolves know I don't have any light left. They're attacking me. They're falling on my leg. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. That's my Saladin impression as well. It's actually pretty good. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, next section here, rewards that matter. And I don't have to read this one, but I can tell you, they're sunsetting. Yeah. Sunsetting. Dude, the entire community <laughs> lost their mind over this. Like, whoa, wait, did Bungie just sunset sunsetting? 
I think the funniest meme I saw was someone using the the Avengers Thanos meme, and it's like I used the sun setting to destroy the sun setting. <laughs> yeah, and that means everything season thirteen, or like basically anything uh, that is there now is safe. Yeah, if I saw correctly, so pretty much anything from season of the Worthy uh, is good to go. You're good. So all the Rasputin stuff, your Seventh Seraph is good, Felwinters is good, well, Felwinters is kind of good, it's, it's like, we'll, we'll talk about Felwinters in a bit specifically, That that's, uh, that's getting its own shit storm, but uh, for all intents and purposes, those weapons and armor are okay, like, you don't have to worry about getting rid of your Seventh Seraph armor, it's all good to go. And they did point out, though, uh, what they're going to do here and you know what this means too is we don't have to worry about getting rid of shit anymore and you know i i won't lie i had a kind of positive outlook on sunsetting because i was like my vault is full i don't have room for anything and i'm like not even keeping anything for my warlock and titan this is all just my hunter's shit and i have no room so yeah, I was initially positive on sunsetting before they implemented it because I was like, okay, well, if if they're getting rid of like a huge chunk of the loot pool, maybe it'll make it easier for them to balance weapons. Maybe the weapons that they keep will, you know, feel, I guess, not better, but like more important. And, you know, I, I also had the the idea that, like, you know, if they're going to be taking away old weapons, maybe they're going to put in new ones that I'll, I'll want better than the old ones anyway. Hey, look, it's the old ones again. Yeah, and then that's the thing. Like, they at some point put out a, a TWAB that was just like, hey, for the next season, we're bringing back these guns. And people were like, oh, wait, so you're, you're not even making new shit? You, you're just reissuing old shit that you already got took away from me? Then what was the point of sunsetting? So... I guess they saw all that fan feedback and they were like, yeah, you know what? No one's liked sunsetting, so we're just going to like not keep doing that, which I have to appreciate Destiny or Bungie for like out of granted. I don't play too many uh, live service games because it's it's really hard to put multiple into your schedule. But yeah, very much so. Bungie is one of the few uh, video game companies make it that makes a live service that feels like they really want to engage with their community to know how to make their game better because you know like they they were like okay the loot pool is a problem right now it's way too big it's way too hard to uh, to um balance so we're gonna limit it and then they did and then the community had almost unanimous uh pushback against it and they were like okay our community doesn't like this so we're gonna stop doing it we see you're upset and (laughs) we hear you yeah, and it, it really works in their favor, too, because it's like, imagine having the effect of the community, and you're actually going through with it. Yeah. And people, you you feel like your players actually have a voice, and people are actually hearing them, whereas, like, you know, with others, they're, like, saying all this stuff, and it's yeah. like, well, yeah, we heard you, but uh, here's this, and it's like, you, well, yeah. how does that help us at all? I mean, the Avengers game is in the news this week, because apparently the the media team put out a statement or someone put out a statement saying that like hey we heard that there's not enough content in this game for people to stay engaged for a long time so what we thought the problem was was you level up too fast so we're gonna slow down how you level up to make 
progression more meaningful and like the entire community is just like no but leveling up wasn't the problem the problem was that once you're all leveled up and have all your cool abilities and stuff and once the game is fun there's nothing to do after that like they want fans wanted either more missions to do or more loot to chase they because apparently people were like yeah once you get your characters to level 50 and you have all your skills and shit it's really the combat is really deep and really fun there's just nothing to chase once you're there and so that's the thing it's like that is the exact opposite of what Bungie does with destiny where they're just like the community is saying one thing and the game the developers are just like "Mm, but we're gonna fix another thing that you're not telling us is broken anyway yeah and it's like with Bungie too they kind of give us a thing they're like here's our laundry list and we're trying to get to it we're just we're limited and obviously you guys know we're not with activision anymore so we don't have other two other studios to help yeah. us which is why like you didn't get like when you get new expansions it's not like you're getting tangled shore and dreaming city you're getting one thing not two and stuff so you always have to keep that in mind as well but i am fine with it it's just gonna be it's gonna be fun when you get that day where you're like my vault's full yeah <laughs> oh no uh so Next request is, uh, please, Bungie, give us more vault space. Uh, that would be mighty fine. Yeah, but also, nice. I get to keep my Felwinter's Lie, which is really what I was hoping. I didn't want to get rid of that. Not the, I don't think I would have anyway, I guess, because when it comes to competitive, you don't have to worry about losing Felwinter's. And also, I really don't play comp anymore since I got unbroken. But we'll talk about that later. Uh Oh, wait, yeah, so here's here's a quote, though, from this talk. Because we won't be capping any more of our weapons, we must consider more variables in the game balance of our upcoming seasons and releases, so expect to see tuning when it comes to our biggest outliers in PvP and PvE. I'm looking at you, Felwinters and Warmind Cells. <laughs> Leave my Warmind Cells alone. Oh, <laughs> uh, I get it. I understand when I'm just like, no. I love using those. It makes my life easier. Uh, dude, Warmind cells are so useful, though. They, they oh really are. I they, I kind of wrote them off initially because I was like, oh, that's stupid. They're, they're only used for, like, seventh Seraph weapons and stuff like that. And then I realized, I did not realize how much damage they do. They're It's insane. Yeah. And moving on. So that's the second section. Third section. I don't know how many sections there are. We're just going to keep going. But at least scrolling through, it looks like I'm, like, halfway through, I think. Uh, power play and i'll read this one at least uh now that we've talked about rewards let's talk about power last year we started a paradigm where we raised the overall power cap by 50 each season while this helped ensure that infusion caps shifted the meta it also made each season feel like a significant reset to the power you had accumulated to combat this we will be experimenting with a new power level cap starting in season 14 we will only be raising the power cap by 10 for each non-expansion uh season this means if you reach the maximum power in season 13 when next season rolls around you will directly you will be directly in the 10 point pinnacle band of the power pursuit this power increase should feel familiar to anyone who's played season of the dawn last year and we're excited to see how this progression feels alongside our new systems we believe this change will make it even easier to pick up and enjoy destiny each season while still allowing us to have a deep RPG power pursuit when we launched the Witch Queen. How do you feel about that? 
So let's say you make it to 1310, which is our current power cap right now Mm -hmm. with pinnacles. That means the next season comes, all you have to do is get to 1320 or you don't even get there yet. You're at 1300. So you just still have to get to 1320. It's just 20. So you're using powerful rewards for like 10 power and then you're just already there. And now you're just grinding the pinnacles. I guess, I guess that's fine. It's interesting because it immediately eliminates a lot of activities. Necess- like, you don't necessarily need to go back and do other things. Like, uh, I guess as an example, when this season started, I was not even at the uh, top power cap anyway. So, you know, you have to go 50 and get to the top, get to 1300 before you can even bother with the pinnacles. Like, you can still do them, but they're not going to get you where you need to be. And you just kind of feel like you're wasting them at the same time, too, because you're not at the, the power level yet. So, you know, I go back and I do Wrathborn hunts because it's still a weekly powerful and I'm doing like other random weekly activities. I'm also focusing a lot more on bounties for the weekly challenges from all the vendors to get those powerfuls, Uh, which I still, of course, do bounties without that. But, you know, you're really forcing yourself to grind through them, though, to get those eight bounties per week per person. Yeah. And for like a single item. And, like, now I don't have to do that anymore. And I think I could see why that would be a negative for some people. Because it means then, if you're just doing the pinnacle activities, though, that means there's less for you to do. Kind of. Yeah. But I see two things from this. One, or at least uh, there's two, like, this is what I would ask for them. If you're going to do that, give us more pinnacle activities so we're not killing ourselves to get to that 10. Because, you know, it takes a while. And, you know, there's only so many activities you can do so. Whether it's like the Exo Challenge, the, the two seasonal exotic activities. So Harbinger, uh, Presage, you have like the the, uh, the Nightfalls. So like 100k Nightfall, the Master Nightmare, or no, Master uh, Empire and the Raids and whatnot. Not to mention your weekly rotations of strikes, uh, gambit, like regular valor, uh, crucible. So you have all those, but you know if you could add, then if we're doing it just this, give give us like just like two more, which I assume we will get next season. Then we'll get like another exotic uh, quest that gives you a weekly. It's likely pinnacle. they've been doing that for a few seasons now, and it's honestly yeah. really really cool. It's useful too, yeah. And if you're going to do that too, make sure you keep, like, let us still have Harbinger and Presage yeah. then. Have us, let us have those three and then give us one other way. Like, give us a third way, or I mean, like, a second thing from the next season. So that way we just have a little bit more ways to get there. And you're, you know, then you have people playing a little bit more as well. Because then it's like, you know, potentially they're doing it on one single character or they're doing it on all three characters, but you still have people playing your game. But for me, too, that makes it a little, bit, a little bit easier for me because, James, that means for me as someone who does love Destiny but also has a backlog and other things to do and would like to get to Division 2 in some time at some point eventually, uh, I can then have maybe potentially a little bit more time to run back and play some other stuff and not feel bad. But also, like, you know, I still get my stuff done, but now I can, you know, do that, too. Yeah. It just it helps a bit, you know? But we have that. Uh, next up is, uh, them talking about PVP and 
here's their what they said direct player versus player competition is essential in destiny as an option to express mastery of your guardian and showcase the strength of your arsenal against other players uh so looking through it uh here's what they're saying when it comes to the balance updates these can be divided into three major buckets first in season 15 we will be addressing three peaking in Trials and Competitive, in these modes, emotes and uh, <laughs> emotes will be disabled and players will be unable to pull out any third-person weapon that doesn't have ammo. So that means, guys, you can't use your emotes to, to like, peek corners anymore. Which is nice. And you can't pull out your swords, specifically, to do that either. So it's going to be a lot more, you know, like, even ground for a lot of people, especially if they don't have those weapons available to them and they're just using it for those specifics. And, you know, like, that makes sense for emotes. So, like, I don't really see how you'd complain for that kind of thing. Yeah, it um, kind of, like, ruins trials when people are just, like, peeking around a corner while you're trying to snipe and stuff like that. Third-person experiences are part of what make Destiny's uh, gameplay feel so good, but it was clear in our most competitive arenas that these mechanics were being used in ways we did not intend. This is a tricky problem to solve in Destiny's complicated sandbox, but we think this is a good starting point. Second, over the next several seasons, we will be making changes to stasis and light subclasses in order to achieve a healthier balance of subclasses in the Crucible. Across season uh, 13 and 14, we will be adjusting stasis in the Crucible in order to bring its overall effectiveness in line with our light subclasses. Uh, here are some of the changes you can expect coming to updates this season and next. Behemoth Titan, decreased super damage reduction. Damn. Uh, increase super energy cost when performing light attacks. So uh, you'll have more super damage, but now for a less uh, shorter period of time. Uh, remove freeze AOE on super cast. So they're gonna uh, there's not gonna be an area of effect when you cast it. So when Titan Behemoths come out, you're not gonna be like instantly frozen, which is what really kills people a shit ton. Yeah. Uh, reduce traveling of efficacy efficacy of shiver strike when slowed so it's not going to go as far as before so it's like uh yeah these are all kind of like constraints but now when you do use it it's gonna be a lot more powerful so you can kill people faster so there's that oh this is this is actually just mean revenant hunter decreased withering blade damage and tracking decreased slow stacks applied to targets remove shatter drive damage reduction so that means we get the shatter dive back <laughs> but instead withering blade and slow stacks are, are applied so we is, lose two and gain one it's weird because like shatters uh, shatter dive is really what like kills people in pvp yeah, and I'm I'm at least glad that the super itself isn't nerfed because that's like something we need as hunters like hunters don't really get a lot that's the thing they get bullied easily by titans they get also to an extent bullied by warlocks because with titans you've got instant melee shoulder charges that kill people on effect you're just like dead it's like there's no way to stop them really unless you could shoot them beforehand but if that titan hits you you're gone yeah and with things like behemoth and like their other supers all we have are ways to cancel them out, but not ways to be aggressive for the most part, unless getting killed by something else too much. Like, Arc Strider works, but it's so much slower than the others. Like, it's not as, like, fast paced. I, I just feel that, like, the Hunter probably has the most 
like abilities tuned specifically for pvp like the golden gun is amazing for pvp the solar uh blade barrage is amazing for pvp and uh well blade barrage is a great so that blade barrage is great because it can cancel out another super it's like a good defense golden gun can work but you just get one snipe uh one headshot and you're dead so a sniper could just kill you instantly and you're gone whereas like a sniper could shoot a titan that is doing uh, a strike and it's still going i guess like, there's I a just, difference from there. my personal experience as a titan my sh- trying to kill people with shoulder charge gets me killed more often than not because people just see me running straight at them and they just kill me before i get to them unless i truly get the drop on someone but like that at least for me personally is more rare than i get the kill and my roaming supers also get me killed more often than not like the when i'm doing um seismic uh, slam the like the basic titan smash you know, it, it's good for killing people right around me as like a panic button if I get surrounded. But then while I'm just run, uh, running around, people can hear me stomping from like hella far off. And it's really hard to get kills after it's activated. And you can't shoot or do anything ranged while you're running. So you're just like a running target, I guess. I don't know. It's just like the hunter has the um, shadow blade, uh, blade shade what what's the one with the with the two shadow blades? oh the void the void blades yeah void walker no that's a no that's uh the shadow shadow strike i think crap how did I oh spectral blades sorry spectral, spectral blades. blades and like you turn Damn. completely invisible and that makes you way harder to see than uh, the titan i don't know i just personally i get my ass handed to me all the time by hunters specifically in the crucible i almost never see uh uh warlocks doing well and like titans can kind of hold their own but it's not like it just seems like the hunters are meant to be the pvp class well from my point of view the jedi are evil (laughs) (laughs) but no yeah you gotta if you were i'm just saying if you were a hunter you'd understand where i'm just like i'm doing something and i'm like why am i dead and it's like handheld supernova and like handheld super what the (laughs) <laughs> or it's like Titan Smash or grenades. Yeah. Grenades are also hunters do have the weakest grenades. That's, that's so you fair. have to keep it's, that in the, mind as well. The warlocks do have the best grenades, especially with that but, supernova thing. But the, when we do have our supers up, like Golden Gun or even with Revenant, you can die instantly. I, like there's literally you're screwed if someone just has already they're shooting at you, you're already dead. Like I've uh every every time I pop stasis, if I'm in the air, or if I've done it to other hunters, you could just run up and if you don't get initially hit and the whirlwind hasn't gotten to you yet and you're just there you're just like oh he's dead it's yeah. over and i'm just like oh i don't know well i i lost my super i just feel like the the stasis super specifically is insane for hunters oh yeah for because like and it, i don't know it, it just feels like it's too many things because it's like you have the instant freeze with the first uh ice pick you throw out and then the second one throws out a blizzard that lasts for like what feels like 30 full seconds. And it the blizzard slows you. So if you get stuck in that blizzard, there's no getting out of it. You're basically dead. The blizzard itself does damage to you. So you don't the the hunter doesn't even need to shoot the people who get caught in their blizzard. Uh, because the blizzard will eventually kill them, most likely uh and then once you're slowed for long enough you're just straight up frozen so it just 
it's all those things combined and the fact that it lasts for so long. It, particularly if they if they reduced the time it was active by like a third. So instead of it being 30 seconds, it was like 20 seconds. That might satisfy me. I don't know. But it just it feels like it lasts too long. I will say, though, it's easy to escape. Like I've seen like, dude, I've been playing comp for quite some time. I'll take your word on and, it. <laughs> I can never and get it. I, I will say I play I play a lot more Crucible than you, I think. Yeah. And I have seen even when I cast it and thrown at people, they're just able to run out of there. If they don't if they're not initially in the middle of the whirlwind, if they're at the edge or something, they're just gone. They're like, cool, I'm out. Uh, I can just run away. Yeah, sure. And if you're on the like very I said edge, too, maybe get away. Oh, and the blizzard and, moves. That too. I forgot about that. Yeah. And if the two people just split up, then you're just like, fuck, I didn't get anyone. There's been times where you don't get anybody at all with your super and you just get killed immediately. And you're just like, well, I didn't have any special backup. That's the thing. When you think about it, I can be shotgunning a Titan in the face and he just casts his super and he's good. Whereas if I'm a hunter and I do it, I'm just instantly dead. You have to remember that too. We're instantly dead. You're not. You have to remember that like you get this extra armor, you get more firepower. And when you do get it, you can just do a shatter. You could do your stomp. Everyone gets frozen. And it's not like, okay, I'm getting slowed a little bit. It's just you're already frozen. And by the time you're trying to get out of it, someone just already did a rush slam into your ice and you're already dead. Yeah. So you do have to keep that in mind. But moving on, because uh, we're going to be in this circle forever. <laughs> uh, Shade Binder Warlock, fixed bug where ice flare bolts uh, wouldn't track towards targets uh, immediately on creation. Fixed bug where shade binder uh, super projectiles were not tracking until a certain distance traveled. Uh, and then general decreased crystal shatter damage, uh, which I agree with yeah, that one for sure. I, that, I that's actually an annoying part. Crystal uh, grenades are annoying. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like I noticed in Iron Banner for at least a little while, everyone was using those glacier grenades because the shatter damage was like crazy. Yeah. And also frozen... Uh, when you get out of being frozen, there's going to be less damage. Good. I don't think there should be... I don't think you should take any damage for unfreezing yourself. Uh, but... Uh, well, no, it's just like... I guess it depends. I, 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 I'm I, fine with it. I just would like at least the reduction. I don't know if I want to take it out completely, because there is the option. It's a choice, because you could choose not to, and if you survive and don't, and you, like, unfreeze, you don't lose any damage. Do you not? Oh, you've never tried it then? No, yeah. I just assumed... Yeah, if you don't hold it, if you just wait, you unfreeze on your own and you don't lose any damage. Why would they do that? I mean, do you don't that? get any damage. It's a choice. You could do that if you want to. It's like, yeah, basically, it's the immediacy. If, if every single time I get frozen, they tell me to do the double press on the controller to get out of it, I'm going to assume that's what they want me to do. I'm just saying you had two seasons to try just to see if something worked and yeah. it didn't. Like, I'm going to say most players know to do that. So though. so my choices are to stay frozen and stay a, a literal sitting duck and get myself killed or try desperately to save myself and still get killed. It Those are my choices. It depends on the scenario. I think you need to de it determine. It's determined by the scenario you're in. You could be in a spot of crucible and there's no one around you the dude was killed off by someone else you could just wait and not have to worry because you're just like ah, i'd rather not like have to worry about regaining health and running towards the enemy i could just wait a second because i don't see anyone on my radar it doesn't look like anything's happening it's case by case and like i said dude if you've never tried it i would just wait until you've tried it just to see the differences just because like i figured that out like 
I don't know, like a quarter of the way through last season, and you could just do that. (laughs) I don't think there's ever been a time in the Crucible where I got frozen and someone didn't kill me. Like before, oh, really? before I could even get out. So, oh, dude, I've gotten, I've gotten through fighting well, multiple you. times. I mean, I was, dude, I was playing a comp too. I don't know what you're talking about. I was playing in the harder area. <laughs> I maybe I'm just really unlucky with my crucible uh, matchmaking. You gotta, you gotta train, man. You gotta, you gotta train. You need a montage. I mean, I'm not that bad, but I guess I don't know. It's just, uh, I'm just taking it from the unbroken man. All right, yeah. God. Just, <laughs> All right. Uh, another thing for uh, Crucible is they're going to be, you know, we we have crossplay coming, and of course the worry is, oh god, the PC players versus the console players. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that. So they're going to keep that separate. So even during crossplay, it's just going to uh. really be Xbox and PlayStation players, and then PC players. You can still choose to play with the PC players. It is an option, but it's not going to be the default. Okay, that's nice. So it, they're even they're leaving it all open there, and you can see the difference there. Whereas like you know PC console players are there for raids, they're there for strikes, they're for gambit. But when it comes to crucible, you can have that choice, which is really useful. But also, you're seeing this as well, where they're doing specifics of no swords and no emotes for crucible, which means maybe eventually down the line there could be nerfs for guns in crucible that don't actually affect those weapons in pve yeah and that way we can have separate which portions would be very where nice it would be very nice especially because we've had so many instances where they take down a weapon that was uh useful for both or maybe in pve or something else like that like and they do it because of crucible and you're just like why would you i really love that gun why would you take that away from yeah. me yeah you really get that option back again and i really hope that's something they can consider like it, it's really a, a tool to utilize there for sure but we'll see what happens uh, and of course uh for trials uh speaking of there's a few things they're targeting here and three bullet points to run through uh improve the overall health of the trials matchmaking pool both by incentivizing a wider audience to engage in better defining separation of skill tiers uh to rebuild the trials reward structure so that encourages more players to stick to their active cards longer because people usually quit after three and it gets sweatier earlier mm-hmm. our current structure encourages a lot of recycling cards after a single loss meaning the first games of your trials card has a high chance of being incredibly challenging we want to build a reward structure that continually pushes higher skill players to want to progress deeper into their card even after a loss making three to five wins a more achievable goal for players investigate in the last one investigate opportunities for solo players to participate in trials regularly we believe this will not only make the matchmaking pools healthier but also will also but will also will also encourage that was them saying that not me uh more players uh to see what trials is all about and hopefully form social connections with other pvp loving guardians so freelance it sounds like they can actually implement freelance in here. So you're seeing things that are going to be more reward based for longer cards. So you're not getting uh, early uh, disheartening matches. And then potentially if you're a solo player, you don't have a clan, maybe you can do freelance. And this is where you could find a clan. Who knows? Like this is going to be useful. I think freelance would be great for trials. Uh, just like it works for comp. It works for Iron Banner now too. I, I actually like freelance Iron Banner. Because uh, it takes you away from having to deal with the random clan if you're just like chilling through it, trying to yeah. do all those bounties. 
So that's uh, it's really cool. And uh, uh, we got, let me see, hang on, let me double check here. We got three more sections. We're almost through. But this is an interesting one. Praedith's Revenge. And reminding everyone, we're in season 13 currently. Season 15, I believe, was supposed to be Witch Queen. So this is where I'm confused, James, because if that means there's only one season after this in like the summer, and that's supposed to last for like six months then. Oh my god. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, you gotta good. Exactly. So in season 14, the Vault of Glass will return, which is next season. The team will have a lot more to say about it before launch, but there are a few things I'd like to clarify now. Our philosophy behind bringing things out of the Destiny content vault is to keep them feeling like the content you remember while updating them to meet Destiny 2 difficulty and raid standards. So although the high level experience remains the same, you should expect the raid team to have a few tricks up their sleeves when you tackle the depths of Venus this summer. Venus. Uh, vault of Glass will also launch with both a contest mode in the first 24 hours and a world first race. Since this is a reprised raid, we're going to do a world first a bit different. Players looking to claim the belt will not only have to complete the raid, but also a curated list of challenging triumphs. And while only one team, only one fire team will walk away with the belt, there will be plenty of opportunities for players to earn the ability to purchase some of some sweet real world loot through Bungie Rewards. One last thing, before the end of the year, we are also looking to add a master version of Waltz of Glass We've been really excited about how Master and Grandmaster difficulty have altered Nightfall Strikes, increasing the, poten the potency of combat and the importance of executing mechanics. We'd like all of our future uh, RAD, Raid, and Dungeon content to offer Master difficulty versions where players can earn Adept Raid and Dungeon gear. And while we aren't able to commit to a Season 14 timeframe for Master VOG, uh, we do want to take the time to develop a sustainable structure that allows us to ship these closer together in future releases. Okay, Jim. So, first things first, Vault of Glass is coming back the next season, just like yeah. I expected. It seems like the perfect summer raid to do. Two, Venus. Yeah. I called it. I called it. You did. I said it. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of hope that they don't do what they did for um, Cosmodrome and just put it there and not have any reason to do anything there for the whole season. It's for the new lights, James. It's all all the younglings. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh god. Even uh, remember that there's that battleground where Salen's like, you gotta save the you gotta save the new lights from the from these cabal. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I'm hoping we get like a full Venus. Uh, I actually don't remember how big Venus is anymore because it was really, you know, you're fighting the Vex in the House of Winter uh, fallen over there last time we were there. I hope there's some more stuff. Like if there's fallen, give us a reason why there's fallen there. Because obviously, like, you, you know, you're reusing everything. You did that for the Cosmodrome. Yeah. But give us some story that we didn't get before. Like give us something new. Uh, that's what I would really ask for. And I'm curious to see what vendor we'd get there as well. Like, who would be a Venus vendor? And mm. they're not going to, like, I'm hoping they don't just do Venus for the raid and there's nothing else. Like, you don't actually get access to Venus because that would kind of suck. Uh, so I really hope we do get full access to the plant, the the planet itself, or at least most of it. I would, I would prefer if we can at least get most of it back. But like I said, just give us something that's, like, new there. 
Uh, I'm okay having the same tempest of enemies, but just give us a reason why those enemies are there. And, you know, for the universe and the lore. We love the lore. That's all that matters for some certain things. It's always important. But I, I do like the 24-hour uh, contest they have now for Worlds First, that there's going to be, like, new challenges. Because it's like, oh, we remember or kind of remember how Vaulted Blast works. I'm going to be honest, even though I did do it um, very late because I got in at Taken King. I jumped into to the vault uh, quite late into it, but I got into it nevertheless. And then I did a lot during, uh, remember before Destiny 2 when they were doing like the the crazy, like they revamped all the raids and gave all those awesome armor sets? Yes. Yeah, that's like, I remember doing vault a lot during that period. So um, I, I just remember like, oh, hide from these, uh, hide from these, um, what was it? The, the hide, not the Hydra, it was the... I just remember we had to hide from some shit. Otherwise, if we got discovered, we get screwed. There was like uh, an alarm that was system. The Gorgons. Yeah, hide from the Gorgons. There was like the Oracles. You got Atheon at the end and all that kind of stuff. But I like I, I, I'll probably... I might need some refreshers myself, but we'll see. Um, I, I guess it'll be easier to jump into than others, but that's like a full-on freaking raid, man, compared to some that always feel like, you know, raid layers and stuff. But having master difficulty, dude, that's going to be crazy. And especially adept weapons. So now you're going to have double loot, double weapons. Like it's, it's going to be like a lot more to do. You're going to be going in a lot more and who knows, like they're saying they're starting this with vault of glass, which you can assume it'll be for vault of glass. And then you'll have the next raid for witch queen, which will probably have it closer to law, uh, closer to its release. And then, uh, cause I'd imagine then season 14, uh, or like the next season, we'd probably get uh vault of glass master, but it brings in the question, will we get that for, is that a possibility then for, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, shit. How did I just forget? Last Wish. Is that a thing for Garden of Salvation? Is that a thing for Deepstone Crypt? Could those potentially get it? Like, I guess they didn't really mention it at all, but the only way to know is like after I would say, we won't know at all until after the witch queen raid comes out and we get that because they'll have two master versions out and they could look back and see oh do we want to do this or not and we could potentially see what happens there but who knows we'll, we'll find out eventually if they want to do that but i'm excited for this stuff i i, I like i said i'm i'm hoping we get more more venus though that would be really cool and then uh here is the uh I think this is about transmog if i remember correctly but ada one is returning to the tower oh, next season and with her is going to be the transmog system and it's armor synthesis so it's going to be our new currency on the tower and in destiny right. 2 and ada one will be the one doing all the transmogging honestly it makes sense that ada would do that yeah it, it, oh it makes perfect sense especially now it has she has purpose again and I'm assuming she'll be in the annex in her current location or her per, her previous location. But every season, Ada will offer players a set of bounties that highlight various activity types. Players can complete these quests and receive the materials they need to power up Ada's loom, which can turn any piece of armor in your collection into a permanent universal ornament. Players short on time will also be able to purchase synthesis tokens for silver. Once you've acquired some new universal ornaments, you will want to head over to the new appearance screen in your character menu where you can manage the ornaments on all your gear in one place. 
You'll also find that you can apply shaders here individually or on all pieces of your equipped gear with one click. So I'm so ready to just be like, one click, entire armor set is one shader instead of having to do oh, thank God. individually yeah. five pieces. Oh my God, I'm it's so, so excited. <laughs> They're like, yo, Vault of Glass is coming back. Yo, no more sunsetting weapons. I'm like, yo, it's dope. Yo, dude, you could do like one click and your shaders are done. Oh my God, you've revolutionized the game. That's like, I don't know why I'm like most excited about this, which is, I don't know what that says about me, but I'm just like, thank you, God. Uh, to make it even easier to try out a bunch of new looks in season 14, we've also managed to change, uh, also change shaders to be permanent unlocks, meaning you oh. no longer will need to hold on to stacks of shaders in your inventory at the beginning of Season 14, we will be including a starting supply of synthesis materials as reward for completing the seasonal onboarding quest. Oh my god, thank god. We know many of you have been looking forward to synthesis for a long time and want to front load your ability to create some of the looks you've been looking forward to showing off. So transmog, shaders, dude, this is a great... I love this Road to Witch Queen. It's so much fun. And final section here. Combined fire. We've still got a few things to cover, uh, but I wanted to make sure we didn't end without taking the time to recognize how incredible the team is here at Bungie. It's, an it's enormously difficult to make a game like this from home, uh, but the team comes at it every day with unmatched enthusiasm and, enthusiasm and talent. One of the reasons why is our that our team is full of guardians, co uh, guardians, conquerors, lighthouse frequent flyers, lore masters, and people that just love to get in a strike or two with their family. All the work they do is because they believe that Destiny 2 can be the definitive, uh, the, uh, the definitive action MMO on consoles and PC for years to come. So without spoiling our plans for the Witch Queen and beyond, let's hear about a few more things the team is working on this year. Crossplay is coming to the masses in Season 15. We'll be doing some internal rollouts. Uh, this is the... Oh, wait, we talked about this already. I, I guess I said it in the Crucible stuff, no, thought, thinking it was there, but I had heard about it already since I like read through and my clanmates have been talking about it. But yeah, so it's the whole thing of uh, the separation of PC and console players during Crucible unless they specifically invite their like friends and whatnot. Uh, next one. Some of you have noticed that Ikora Ray has not been nearly <laughs> as present recently in Destiny 2. Yeah. <laughs> ain't that ain't, ain't an understatement. Uh, we missed her as well. Not only will you see a Korra again in Season 14, she will be playing a pivotal role in The Witch Queen. Dude, that's, uh, that's going to be cool. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get... I feel like Witch Queen's going to have you know, Ikora, Eris, and uh, Marisov. I think those will be the three main people of that uh, version there, or that uh, expansion. Uh, in Beyond Light, we introduce stasis subclasses like, uh, like Solar, Arc, and Void. Stasis will continue to evolve into a fully supported damage type. In Season 15... We will introduce our first round of legendary stasis energy and power weapons. Oh, there will awesome. be a lot more info here as we get closer to the fall. Yeah, dude. So wait a minute. Okay, okay, okay. So I noticed there they said to the fall. So it sounds like season 15, which was going to be the Witch Queen season, is still happening on schedule. It then sounds like season 16 will be the Witch Queen season then simultaneously. I, I guess so. I guess that's okay. All right. So it sounds like they don't have to worry about that. They're just like, okay, we just, we still have this story. It's kind of like James, I guess, you know, looking at Season of the Hunt and Beyond Light, they're not really related. So you could do them in different times. So that works, right? I think that's okay. Yeah. All right. So that 
We know then we probably won't have an extended season then. Okay, that's cool. I'm fine with that. Uh, more recently in season 13, we rolled out phase one of our new gilded title system where players can guild their our ritual titles like Conqueror, Unbroken, Dredgen, and Flawless each season. In season 14, phase two of, gil uh, of gilding titles will roll out. When players guild a title, it will now also display how many uh, times that title has been gilded in the past. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it has a little like um, I guess like to this to a power type. You know, um, if it was like two squared, huh? Is like two times you know two squared two times two equals four. Oh, wait. So it'd be what? like that little number on the right corner. Yeah. Oh, uh, the power. That's where you'd see your gilded amount. Yeah. I how see. many times you've gilded? That's what I mean. Sorry, I was like trying to think. Man, I, I haven't used that type of math, and God knows how long it's so useless. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's, it's it's useless, James. If you just do money for math, that's it. Sure. All right, I'm not I'm not some computer technician programmer, man. I All right, know. I just work here. Powers are useful to know. <laughs> I get a little bit. Whatever, man. I just I hate math. I, I I'm glad I don't have to do it for grades. <laughs> that's all that matters. Oh God, we're almost in, uh, two, in two hours already. I know. Uh, and the last last paragraph, James. We're almost done. I can't overstate how excited I am for what the team has planned for this year and beyond. What we're doing this year is about multiplying our potential for years to come. And while I promise not to spoil any of the things we will we will reveal for the Witch Queen later this year, I feel like I owe it to you a little to treat for sticking with me after all this text. So here is an early concept at one of the wild armor sets you'll be able to earn in our next annual release. And dude, it looks if you look at it, it looks really cool. Uh, it's very very interesting um i'm excited for the hunt here it looks pretty nifty uh but this is it looks like a, a version of our witch queen armor and that was from joe blackburn assistant game director of destiny 2 so you know we're getting more ikora we're gonna see stasis weapons which is really cool and you know for the uh gilded titles You'll get to see the number just because, you know, at the end of each season, you're going to lose that gilding and then you have to get the gilding again. So it's kind of like a seasonal yeah. title at the same time. But now you can at least show them the number, which at the same time for me is kind of like, eh, it's whatever. But that is the Destiny 2, like 2021 update Road to the Witch Queen. Quite uh, a lot of news, right, dude? Yeah, that yeah, that took a lot longer to get through than I thought. Yeah, man. And looking through, I'm actually checking the uh, the TWABs now. The first one doesn't really have any information. It just kind of uh, points at the Witch Queen update that they do have. And they have like a deep dive into the Deepstone Crypt where you, that is out now, I think. And you could take a look at that. And it's like, I think they're making of it or something. Mm. But it's called like uh, Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this week's uh, looking at it is so this is really cool last thing i want to point out here and i don't know oh we have so we're putting this out on the day this is up so hopefully you guys will hear it if not just look at you know hopefully you've looked at their tweet so far but james did you see what they posted on twitter for festival of the lost 2021 no. Oh my god, so I want you to go to their Twitter right now while I talk about this. Right now, go to the Bungie Twitter right. and see. They have the, they are showing you, people can vote on the, oh, the ornaments. Costumes. 
Yes. And if you look at the top and the bottom, there is monsters and there are dinosaurs that you can choose from. And this is what kills me, dude. I, I, you know, dinosaurs are going to win, right? Dude, I want the dinosaur one. Cause like, I like the, the Titan T-Rex and I, I do not do. like the Titan, um, Cyclops. Ogre? Oh yeah. Cyclops. Yeah. It's supposed to be the, yeah. So you have a Titan Cyclops, you have uh-huh. a Warlock Kraken. And here's the thing though. It looks like the I'm monster all... from the Deep Lagoon. No, it's, it's the Kraken from, uh, Clash of the Titans. I guess so uh someone there was like a video online that i think i forget what the video is called but there's a video that like talks about all the different costumes and what they're from but, but yeah, uh the, the cyclops the is from uh jason and the golden though. fleece exactly so screw all of you that want the fucking dinosaurs i don't care about the fucking dinosaurs uh, dude i just want godzilla <laughs> it's a godzilla hunter james it was made you know for me so Do you really want to like, me this? both your hunter things look cool because either you're godzilla or you're like a sick raptor with like the awesome raptor claws on your feet dude the warlock's a triceratops <laughs> yeah that looks so stupid <laughs> it looks like a dumb it's like, imagine in, imagine being a herbivore in between two carnivores bro yeah. like it's just like it, at least so, the the titan t-rex thing looks wicked cool the titan t-rex is probably the coolest of the three i do like the raptor but i just it, i know it, it james the dinosaurs are gonna win. There's no doubt. People want the dinosaurs, but I'm just saying, Bunchy, just give me the fuck, give me fucking Godzilla, bro. <laughs> just give me Godzilla. That's all I want. Just want Godzilla. Yeah. And you know, I just, I really hope I get it. Okay, we can only have one for 2021. But if that's the case, please give us the monsters for 2022. Don't, don't make me wait. Like, I mean, obviously now I have to wait like two years, but like. Just give me that Godzilla skin. Holy shit, that's so fucking dope. I want I want the Godzilla skin. That's not fair. And if people don't like the, the Cyclops uh, or the Kraken, just retool it a bit. Like, redesign it a little bit to make it look a little bit cooler, and then you're good to go. Like, come on, man. Give me Godzilla. <laughs> There's a tail. The cloak is the tail. That's so funny. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> All right. I got dinner in like All right. five minutes. We got to wrap this up. All right, so that is all the news, and that is everything Destiny. And damn it, we didn't get to talk about actually playing Destiny. Games. Yeah, well, we're like but, almost at two hours though. Yeah, no, but we, we'll save it for next time. And guys, I'm gonna be honest. Like, if you look at that time code uh, that I'm gonna put in here, the first 45 minutes is all the news from the week. The last 45 minutes is just it's, us talking about this fucking it's news. Nuts. <laughs> but at least it's done. So hopefully yeah. next week. We should have like the same amount of news maybe, but also we're not going to have this fat Destiny 2 news. So hopefully, um, I don't think we'll talk about Destiny next week though, because our plan for next week is we are going to talk about WandaVision yeah, as a whole. It's finally we're going to go through. There. Yeah, we're going to talk about all of it. Who knows? Maybe we'll even, uh, I don't know if we will, but we might even get a third person on for that one. I'm sure someone will want to talk about it with us. Who knows? But we'll we'll find out. We'll think about it uh, if we can get someone else on for it. I'm not sure who yet, but we'll. F- I, I just thought about it now as I said it. But we'll we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, next week news and Wandavision for sure. We'll go into a full deep dive. I don't think we'll take the time we took for Mandalorian. Like I don't no, think we have to dedicate an entire not. episode to it. But we'll have a good time with it. It's not as big for sure, but. I think we'll we'll enjoy what we get to talk about for sure. Uh, but with that said, 
Uh, that's been Suture Side Talk for this week, guys. Uh, hopefully this is the last of the big-ass, like, two-hour episodes. I think we can tone it down from here, I'm hoping. But uh, with that said, I know I keep saying that, uh, you can email us, of course, with your feedback, with any comments, with any questions, which, of course, if it's a question and you want us to answer that question on the show, uh, if you're the first question we read for that episode, you'll get a copy of Midnight Ultra for Steam, uh, which is a... Uh, cool little shooter that you can uh, play for a couple hours that I did sound design for. But uh, you can at sutrasidetalk at gmail.com. Uh, you can email us email us there with questions, comments, anything. Once again, that is sutrasidetalk at gmail.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at sutrasidetalk. And of course, please just uh, subscribe to us, give us a like, whatever it is uh, on whatever platform. If you could do that, that would help us out. And of course, uh, retweet whatever we put out for episodes on Twitter. If we post something on Instagram, if you could add that to your story, that would be really helpful too. Uh, All that kind of stuff always helps us. And of course, share word of mouth with other people online, all that kind of stuff. But otherwise, uh, you can catch James on Twitter at InvaderGem124. And you can follow me on Twitter at GoGoComzilla. And we will catch you guys next week with hopefully a shorter show and some WandaVision talk. Until then, though, have a great week. Thanks for listening.